0: Sisters Talk Brothers is a spoiler-filled podcast about the TV show Supernatural. Music credit goes to Hans Adam and their song in the creative commons called Paint the Sky. Driver picks the music, shotgun shuts his cake hole. On with the show. And hello, world. How is everyone doing today? I'm doing all right. I'm doing oh, good. Pretty
1: good.
0: Good. Welcome to Sisters Talk Brothers, where two real-life sisters discuss two not-so-real brothers, family style. Yeah. Family style. We're not experts. We're sisters. sisters. <laughs> nice. Oh, Hannah, I am feeling out of it today. So, I'm going to try. I've got my Red Bull, and I've got my sister, and I've got the Winchesters. So, hopefully, my energy levels will perk up a bit.
1: I only had three things to do today, and I wasn't able to do the first two. So, (laughs) at least I have this.
0: (laughs) I, I feel you. I had, I have several things to get done today, this being one of them, and I'm only halfway doing this. Um... Hannah, we're ten episodes in now. Mm-hmm. Jeez Louise, we're in the double digits, and we have experienced ghosts with the Winchesters many a time now. Correct. More that you, it's probably easy to say that ghosts are the most prevalent creature. Ghosts are the most. <laughs> ghosts are the most that you encounter in the supernatural world. Uh-huh. So my question today is: Have you ever met a ghost? I
1: uh. <laughs> As open-minded as I am, I'm also a bit of a skeptic, so I've had a few odd experiences that on the one hand could have been ghosts, and on the other hand could have been, you know, scientifically explained and overactive imagination. But, let's see, there was a time that I was using a Ouija board with a couple of my friends
0: and... They say to never use a Ouija board.
1: Yeah, 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 we were dumb. And... My left arm started shaking, and I found it difficult to speak,
0: and my neck hurt a little bit. Were you high? (laughs) No. (laughs) Okay, so do you think a ghost went into you? Possessed you, perchance? Well,
1: I mean, there is that possibility. I'm open to, you know, hey, maybe something was trying to get in. But on the other hand, I'm diabetic,
0: so... (laughs) So no ghosts want your body?
1: No, no, no. Like, maybe I was just having a diabetic episode. Oh. (laughs) But the fact that we were, you know, playing with a Ouija board, and my arms start shaking, and I'm struggling to speak like it's everything I can do, like that. Really difficult.
0: Very weird. So yeah, it it was just weird. So I have only, I feel like I've had more ghostly experiences, but the only one that I can remember was when we were much, much younger. I was probably 13, 14 max, closer to 13. And we were at our great grandmother's farm down in Mississippi. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, I remember the big barn out back and then the old chapel church house house that we were never allowed to go into because it was so dilapidated. And everyone was worried that we would get just seriously hurt if we went out in that house. Even though everybody wanted to go to that house because it was just filled with old junk and secrets and treasures and it just made the imagination explode with what could be in there. But we were never allowed in there because huh. danger. And I'd say the
1: barn was pretty dangerous too. I mean, you almost chopped my fingers off, but go on.
0: Okay, the barn was not... That's a different story. Great, go on. I did did not. It's not like I intentionally tried to chop your fingers off. It was an accident and your hand was in the way. (laughs) Go on. It's more an issue of you putting your hands where they don't belong than anything else. (laughs) Hey, I'll take it. (laughs) But anyway, so one day we're in the backyard and my younger brother, your older brother, decided that he wanted to head out and go explore that old church house place that we were not allowed to go into. And at first, I was being the big sister of no. We were told we're not supposed to go in there. We'll get hurt. We're not allowed. We're not allowed. Follow the rules. God, I'm such a dean. Accept the rules. Except the rules. That's right. Our mother gave us an order. <laughs> Why don't you just follow it? Meanwhile, my brother's like, think for yourself. I've got a brain unlike you. <laughs> um, and like, whatever. If He wants, I don't, I never actually thought that any of us would really get hurt if we went in there, but I didn't want any of us to get in trouble. So whatever, he goes to walk off and I don't really care. But then a moment later, I feel a sensation I'd only ever read about in books and I had never really believed until I felt it. But I felt like ice cubes trickling down my spine, like just from the nape of my neck all the way down to the base of my spine, just ice shooting down. And I was overcome with like, Overwhelming fear for my brother, and at this point, my brother and I are about the same size. I run over and I physically like pick him up completely off the ground and haul him maybe twenty yards back away from the church house place. <laughs> There's no real word for it and what it was, the dilapidated building, and that was it. I I can't remember if he and I fought or if he was like, "What the hell are you doing, Kindle? I don't remember any of the fallout of it. I do remember, though, that he never went into that building. And I remember later, in just conversations with that side of our family, several, several members of our families have spotted ghosts around that building. And so even though I didn't see a ghost per se, I'm going to say it was because it was daylight. (laughs) It's kind of hard to see ghosts in the daytime, maybe? But... I definitely sensed something. There was nothing in the area to give me that extreme sense of fear besides something supernatural.
1: Wow, that's amazing. I don't think I've ever heard that story.
0: Really? Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, my other story is more of a angel ghost story. The one on the beach. Yeah,
1: that's the one I was thinking of. I love hearing yeah. that
0: story. I'll tell the short version of it. I was maybe seven, and we went on like a church group trip to the beach. And it was late in the evening and I had wandered off and I wandered off way too far, completely lost my family and like lost to the point that my parents and all of their friends were searching the bathrooms for pieces of like hair being cut Close. away to see if I had been kidnapped, like that level of, oh my gosh, lost. And I'm crying on the beach and I'm singing Can you feel the love tonight? (laughs) To comfort myself. Because that's my comforting song. (laughs) And just mentally begging all of these grown-ups who are walking by me to take notice of this little girl who was crying on the beach and to give her some help. When this... From my point of view at that age, a little old lady, but now I'm thinking she was maybe like in her fifties. But she was dressed like she was out of like the twenties or thirties. She was wearing like a hat and a full sweater and full like toe covered buckle shoes, uh, at the beach, like walking in the sand. That's just not what you wear to this beach, you know? Yeah. And she had an accent, like I would almost say like a German accent. Just very accented English, and she she found me, she comforted me, and she helped me find my way to the boardwalk and helped me find my family. And, like, everyone came down like, oh, my gosh, Kindle, you're safe. They're hugging me. And they look up to thank this lady, and she's nowhere to be seen.
1: Wow. I love that story.
0: Yeah, I think she was an ancestor of mine that came down as a guardian angel to keep me safe. So maybe ghost, maybe angel. Who knows? <laughs> also, I shouldn't say my, like, we don't share ancestors. I think you and I share ancestors. (laughs) Yeah, we do. But I don't count that as a ghost, so much as I've always considered that an angel. Because I was scared and she helped me. Yeah. Yeah. So good ghost stories. Good. Do we we feel appropriately spooky? Yes. (laughs) Okay, because this episode is a weird... I don't know that it's spooky, but it tries to be spooky. (laughs) I mean, it is a bit. There was one
1: glitching ghost that I saw in the episode, and he's only there for like a split second. It reminded me of American Horror Story.
0: okay. If you're connecting this to American Horror Story, which is actually kind of scary, too scary for me to watch, (laughs) (laughs) then yes, I could see how you might think this is spooky. But let's get into actually talking about Season 1, Episode 10, Asylum. (laughs) So once again, let's go over our recap, because what are we seeing? What are we feeling? It's a lot of the same, but this time we see the journal a lot, which I find very funny because just last episode I was saying we should focus on the journal. Yeah. (laughs) So we're supposed to pay attention to the journal, and Sam gives his I'm driving line, even though he's not driving in this episode. What the fuck? Did I miss him driving? I didn't see him driving. I didn't see him driving. The recap lied to us. Liar! Liar! (laughs) What's that from? Princess Bride. Thank you. You know, we start sentence with, truth is, liars. We start our story at the Roosevelt Asylum in Rockford, Illinois, which this episode wants you to think that Rockford is a small town, but don't believe this liar. (laughs) (laughs) This is a real city in Illinois, and it's the third largest city in Illinois. It's not a tiny, small town at all. What the fuck? Also, we should get comfy with this building, because we will be seeing it many more times in this series. Sometimes it's a prison, sometimes it's an apartment, sometimes it's a real hospital. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, come to love this building. It's important. Kids break in to this asylum, and... There's so many empty alcohol bottles in there. These ghosties have been getting derunk. A local cop outside explains to the out-of-towner cop that they are having to constantly shoo kids away from this spooky place because all of these young teens are looking to get insane in the membrane. <laughs> Apparently staying the night here makes you go mad. And who doesn't want to go insane? <laughs> I think that's a fun night for me. Now, these kids actually planned ahead, unlike all those other dumb teens. And they brought some bolt cutters with them so they can get past the high-tech security of chains. And they get access to all the danger parts of the hospital. But luckily, they go down the I-won't-die path. (laughs) Like, you turn left, you die. You turn right, you don't die. They go right. The out-of-towner cop, Kelly, wasn't so lucky. He took the left, you will die, Pat. <laughs> um, we know the ghost is near because flashlights go out, by the way. These ghosts don't like flashlights. So if you see a flashlight go out, ghosts are near. I really loved how the local cop was super gentle with the kids when he found them. He was like, come on, guys. Get on out of here. Go on home. <laughs> I don't smell any booze on you. Get on out. <laughs> Get on out, you yeah. Kelly rejoins his partner outside as the kids are leaving, and Kelly's cool, except for like a pusky nosebleed. So cops go home. We see Kelly go home to his wife, where apparently he's having an ongoing fight with his wife. and it ends badly because he decides to end the argument by shooting one. the place was really well lit for nighttime. Oh, all nighttime shots in Supernatural are just <laughs> they've got the brightest moons.
1: <laughs> Lots of street lights outside. And the super creepy delayed response,
0: man, man, that creeped me out. Oh, and Kelly takes a while to smile about whether he's okay or not. Yeah. yeah. They did the whole, I have been done possessed or affected by the ghost acting really well. It was always very subtle. If you, the viewer, weren't aware that something had happened, you probably wouldn't think anything of their acting. Mm -hmm.
1: Alright, then we're at a motel. Dean scours John's journal while Sam makes phone calls to all of John's contacts. We hear mention of Caleb, Jefferson, and Pastor Jim. Caleb and Pastor Jim we meet and see die later on in the season. Caleb supplied weapons. Jim provided child care. Jefferson we never hear of after this. Sam is extra worried because they feel John would have shown up in Kansas if he could, so the fact that he didn't means they need to call in the big guns, the FBI. Dean still holds out faith and hope for their dad. In the middle of this argument, a phone starts ringing because it got a text. Dean finds the phone, and it's a nameless text with coordinates. He pieces it all together using clues from the journal and articles from the area of the coordinate. They learn about the case as it happened above. New details are that Kelly killed himself after his wife, and this asylum has been on John's radar since two teens died there a while back. Sam is pissed because this is just another job when he clearly cares about one thing only, finding John so that they can find the creature that killed Jess and their mom. All these little side cases are just distractions. pissed that they are trying to reach out to their father and only getting missions in response. He's pissed that Dean doesn't question or even think critically about what their father's plan might be or why he would be avoiding them.
0: Freaking sorry I also wrote this when I was basically brain dead.
1: (laughs) Well Sam just wants answers and John is being cryptic and vague And, and Sam's right it's just coordinates it's from an unknown number It could be from anyone. Yes, yes, it matches up with what's in the journal, so they piece together that it's got to be from John. But why does John have to be so cryptic with his boys?
0: Well, we know why. Because he might have to kill Sam. But I get Sam's frustration in that he just wants to talk and have communication and understand what the fuck is going on. And I also get Dean's point of view of he's our dad if he's not communicating with us, it's for a reason, and why don't we just trust him? I feel like the crux of their argument about John in this episode is over Dean's implicit trust in their father and Sam's complete lack of faith and trust in their father.
1: Yeah, I mean, but for one thing, him sending
0: them this case does mean he's still alive. Well, they do know he's still alive, so you can call off the FBI. Well. Well, I had a couple questions about this scene, which... One. Once upon a time, did people really set their texts to ring like a phone call?
1: I, I know people that have that.
0: Ugh uh, Why would you? <laughs> that would drive me mad. <laughs> of course, I communicate primarily in texts, so <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it would probably be too much.
1: I used to have Kim Possible's doot doot as my
0: text tone. I think that's fine. At least that's short. I had the Kakaotaku, for a while,
1: yeah, I still have the cacao brain tone. And goes cacao, cacao,
0: cacao, so cute, yes. it's so fun. And another thing that I felt was really funny in this scene was Sam's very like hyperbolic. He can't even use a toaster. <laughs> when there when John is clearly a person who is capable of putting information together and learning when it's necessary. Mm-hmm. Like John's all about the tools. To the point that he even treats his children as tools quite often. So, yeah, maybe posters just weren't his priority. (laughs) And you're grasping at straws to explain why this can't be your father on the phone. Ugh, so dumb. So they're going to go check out this case. That's where they landed. Yep. Dean won. Yay. (laughs) That was a sarcastic yay. I really don't care. (laughs) (laughs) They arrive in Rockford at a local bar where our local cop from earlier named Daniel Gunderson, is presumably having a drink in his former partner Kelly's memory. Dean, posing as a reporter with the name of a rock star from the mockumentary about Spinal Tap, which, oh my god, why is this show making me learn these things? (laughs) Dean starts pestering him. Sam has taken on the role of the resident Don't Mess with the Blue and overacts his way into Gunderson's heart. Hey buddy, how about leaving the poor guy alone, huh? The man's an officer, why don't you show a little respect? Shoving and yelling at Dean, before turning his soft voice on the cop. It's okay. Gosh, it's such overacting. Oh, it was horrible overacting. Which I guess is great acting on Padalecki's part? I don't know. <sighs> we can see here though that they took a page out of Missouri's book. Throw Dean under the bus to make yourself look good. (laughs) Dean doesn't like that Sam took his literal anger out on him in this figurative scene. And Sam claims that it was method acting. Uh, And Dean here pretends like he doesn't know what method acting is. I can't believe that very smart Dean, who watches lots of television, doesn't know this term.
1: Oh, he does, because he does it all the time. He's such a method actor.
0: Yeah, So I think that he was maybe being passive-aggressive and that I'll pretend to not understand what you just said so you'll have to explain yourself so that your behavior is out in the open and then I can react to it and go on the defensive instead of being seen as the aggressor in this conversation. You know, that very specific technique with the very simple name. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) So Sam was able to throw Dean on the bus and soft voice his way into finding out that Walter Kelly was an A-OK dude for being a cop uh, who had no reason to kill his wife whatsoever, despite the fact that they did fight enough for people to know about it.
1: <laughs> I mean, just everyday relationship stuff. They were planning on having a baby.
0: Okay, I have a relationship where fights happen once in a freaking blue moon and when they do happen me and my wife are like did we just have a fight what (laughs) so if you're fighting this much hey issues or maybe it's just a straight person thing and i don't understand (laughs) obviously something supernatural is happening here so we gotta go check out that asylum so they go check out the asylum
1: jensen ackles almost as a backflip going over the fence it scared me
0: (laughs) i thought it was impressive I thought he was going to break his back.
1: They answer the question we've been wondering about for the last ten minutes. If it's so hard to keep kids out of this place, why isn't this place littered with teen bodies? Because it's only in the South Wing, and those chains were pretty good at keeping kids out until those smarty-pants scouts came prepared with bolt cutters, the assholes. As they explore, Dean broaches the subject of Sam's newly revealed psychic tendencies. He's being jokey and all, but that's code for Dean doesn't want to take it seriously because it's something he's scared to talk about seriously. I want to
0: talk about this moment just for a second. Mm-hmm. One, between this and the reference to the case in Kansas, this is the most callbacks we've had so far in an episode, and I love it. Mm-hmm. This whole joking about a thing, it almost looks and sounds like acceptance. The whole, I'm cool with it so we can joke about it, right? Mm-hmm. But it's not acceptance? Nope. Not yet? It's, I don't
1: know. I feel like it's reaching for acceptance.
0: I think it might be Dean's way, and maybe just a human way, of, I want to talk about this seriously, but I don't know how to approach the topic, so I'm going to joke around it until we find the right time and place to talk seriously about this thing that I find very scary and difficult to accept. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I kind of reacted to this conversation in the whole coming out to people as gay and then people dealing with it with jokes instead of, I don't know, taking it seriously, I guess? Yeah. I don't know. This this whole interaction just kind of started a chord with me and I'm too tired to properly analyze it and all, but this scene, people talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: thought it was cute how Dean starts saying, you know, this serious stuff for a moment, but then he's like, and eh, that's why I got the extra cookie. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's That's in a... Slater scene about John, and that's uh, ooh, that would hurt me <laughs> because they're having a serious conversation about John and their different approaches to him. And that was Dean almost defensively saying, and that's why I'm his favorite, mm. which we know isn't how Dean feels. He all Dean definitely feels like John always preferred Sam, and so this is Dean trying to take pride in you, know, you were automatically that's fave. This is me trying my best to get into. His love circle. <laughs> it's a
1: small circle. It,
0: this circle here, that's John's love. You were always smack dab in the middle of it. You were always the priority. And this is me trying to earn my way in. That's why I get cookies. Because <laughs> I don't get love. John didn't love him, though. He didn't know it.
1: They find a lab operating room filled with typical ooh, scary things like headless dolls and jars with organs. Dean shows his knowledge of hero medicine era and still tries with the jokes, like my man Jack and the cuckoo's nest. He's trying to get Sam to have some fun, because if he has fun on these jobs, then maybe he won't resent their father so much for sending them on it. Sam immediately calls him on it and wants to talk about the fact that, again, John isn't there and doesn't want to meet up with them, so what the fuck. The fight goes nowhere. Dean finds the nameplate of a doctor that worked in the South Wing, so they go investigate. And I love that um, Sam was like, the fuck am I supposed to do with this sign? And then he just throws <laughs> it down.
0: Uh, yeah. If, again, if it weren't for the fact that, one, we've obviously seen this episode before, but two, we're watching this show with intent, you wouldn't know that that nameplate is supposed to mean anything. It's just a random nameplate. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I love that this conversation was a continuation of the one they had in the motel. And again, for me, it all came down to Dean saying, we should trust our dad. And Sam saying, no, we shouldn't trust our dad. And it's kind of creepy, almost, how they talk about their dad in very military terms.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, they were raised like that. They, of course, weren't in the military, but almost with how John raised them. They were, well, yeah, they were so, raised
0: to be warriors. That's the thing. Like, right? people who are raised by former military officers and military enlisted soldiers. Not everyone's soldiers. There's Marines and Airmen and Navy. Different branches of seamen. the Army. There's so many. Anyways, <laughs> if you were raised by someone from the military. There's almost like a stereotype about people who are raised that way. Being raised with that kind of strict regimented lifestyle, I don't think produces kids who refer to their parents' instructions as orders. Yeah. I I can see how John didn't just raise his kids in that strict, I am the general of this household and I expect my instructions to be followed, but also... I am a general in a war against the supernatural, and you two are my two little soldiers who I expect to fall in line so that we have the best chance for survival. It breaks my heart. And Dean trusted him and followed him in an attempt to earn his live. And Sam. Sam almost had the benefit of that innocence of having never experienced the trauma of their house and mother going up in flames. Mm-hmm. So he didn't have that painful connection to the supernatural. Right. Just the hassle of it. And, yeah, and not that I lost a parent, so I need to clutch the one parent I have left that Dean does. So Sam almost had this space and the innocence to fight back against his dad.
1: Bye, babies.
0: All right, and that just exhausted my brain. Let's go on with the rest of the show.
1: But they already hit the nail on the head in this scene, so it's time for Name That Monster. Ah. Ah.
0: So it's a ghosty again, folks. Surprise, surprise. But let's talk specifics. Here we have a spirit possession. Now, granted, I would say that maybe this wasn't a complete possession because our Dr. Ghostie doesn't actually go inside of the people it inhabits, as far as I'm aware. Maybe it does. It just looks like he ghost operates on their brains a little bit.
1: It's like he uses his... Spiritual energy to alter the brain.
0: Right. So we're just going to go for now that it is a spirit possession because I'm a little tired of talking ghosts in general. So spiritual possession is what we say when some form of ephemera (laughs) take control of a human body. The Wikipedia listed aliens, demons, gods. No, let's just go with ghosts. Uh, And there was a study back in the 60s, so same decade that uh, this asylum burned down, that found out of 488 societies sampled, there were examples of belief in spiritual ghost possession in 74% of those societies. So needless to say, my Wikipedia page was (laughs) hlahong. And Depending on the cultural context uh, that you are looking at, possession can be voluntary, it can be involuntary, it can be consensual, it can be non-consensual, it can be good for you, or it can be bad for you. Now, Hannah, we're going to have many a ghostly possession throughout this series, Mm -hmm. So, and many a ghost without possessions. So what I've decided is instead of doing the same name that monster section of it's a ghost end section, (laughs) yeah, I will start breaking down the different cultures and their views on the the ghosties.
1: I support this entirely.
0: So for today's very specific cultural look at ghostly possession, we're going to look at the ancient Egyptians. My favorite ancients. Your favorite ancients? I think, oh, I don't know if I could pick a favorite Ancient. Oh, they're all so good and fun and mysterious. So, what did those Ancient Egyptians think? They thought that violent deaths keep the spirit near the body out of sympathy. Almost like the soul is saying, oh, you hurt my body so bad. Look what you did to my body. Why? I'm going to stay here and make it feel better. Why? How could you? Oh, and they believed this worked for both animals and humans. Now, why did this matter? Well, one, it mattered because the magicians could harness this, since the body and spirit were, you know, in sympathy. So if an animal, for instance, was known for predicting the future, you know, like that octopus that predicted the winners of the World Cup a few years ago, so that animal could predict the future, right? So, if you are want... An octopus did what? You didn't hear about that? No, I
1: missed that. Yeah, an
0: octopus made a pick for the winners of the World Cup and was right. Very smart octopus. Love octopi. or magical octopus that could predict the future. So, if you want to be able to predict the future, all you have to do is go grab that octopus, give it a very, very violent and gory death, and then eat it. And because the animal's body is now inside you... And the animal's powerful spirit that can tell the future is connected to the body. It is therefore connected to you. And now you, if only momentarily, can have the same powers. And now you can tell the future. I would
1: say for as long as it takes you to digest it. But that's awful.
0: Well, no, yeah, it's very awful. Can you imagine? Oh, I really like Janet's nose. I'm going to kill Janet and take on the spirit of her nose. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, That's awful. Exactly. Again, Wikipedia, I don't know. Don't yell at me. This is just fun Wikipedia history. (laughs) history. So while this was a belief of something that could be done, it necessarily shouldn't be done because it's not a nice thing to do. (laughs) And bad things can happen to you when you put that kind of evil out into the world, which is called karma, which is a different country. (laughs) <laughs> Different religion, but maybe someday we'll get to that. I'm sure we will. So that's the ancient Egyptians' take on ghost possession. Yay! Dun, da, da, da. Now back to the show.
1: Sam pretends to go get therapy and winds up getting real therapy. I think that they could have sent Dean in for another appointment. I feel like that would have been helpful.
0: I do feel, though, and maybe this is just me remembering a lot of fanfic, I don't know, but I feel like Sam going in for pretend something and getting a real something out of it is a common theme for him. (laughs) Especially when it comes to things like therapy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. They clearly chose this doctor for his connection to the asylum. He's... Dr. Ellicott's son, which I don't know if I ever caught that before. It's not very important because we don't really ever see him again, but I like.
0: Yeah, they zoom in on a picture of a man and a kid, and the picture looks really old, so I guess that's him as a kid with his now-dead dad. And he obviously did not know (laughs) about what the fuck his dad was up to. How awful his dad was. Wowza.
1: Sam does... The whole, oh, I know tons about event time, location, but jeez, I suddenly don't know anything at all. Would you tell me, please? I
0: hate this shit.
1: <laughs> Luckily, this this doctor takes Sam's ignorance as deflection, so it isn't as awkward. I liked the counselor a lot. Same. I love that he saw right through Sam. It takes me back to days. Ugh. <laughs> ah. Same. Anyway, they learned that back in the 60s, all of the worst cases were kept in the South Wing, and one night, all of those patients went into a riot, killing patients and staff. Some bodies were never recovered, so they planned to go check it out at night.
0: Now, maybe this is something I should address at the end, but they mentioned that several bodies are missing. But the boys only take care of one body. They don't free the rest of the other poor ghosts. Yeah. They never address what happens to the rest of those poor ghosts. All the
1: ghosties. I mean, really, they probably should have salted and burned the entire building.
0: But hey. That would have been ideal. The building's not being used for anything. It's probably condemned. So why not just take care of it in all one one big fell swoop? One big fireball go through, salt everything during the daytime, and just a big fireball. Yeah. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. We should be hunters, Hannah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you could you could follow us by the trail of burned-out houses. <laughs> Ooh, we take out some insurance on them beforehand. <laughs>
1: yes. Yeah, and and then we, you know, we wouldn't have to do credit card scams. We'd just do insurance scams.
0: You know what? I think that's more fair because insurance, it's an issue. I would probably feel better ripping off insurance people than I would... Oh, absolutely. Insurance has gypped me so many times. Yeah, rather than random people's names whose credit scores I'm ruining.
1: Yeah. I would have loved to have heard at least some of the details Sam discussed with the counselor.
0: Beyond the, we went to interesting places, and saw. all interesting people and did uh interesting things and it was fun yeah i
1: would have loved to see him openly discussing his feelings rather than under possession talking about his feelings
0: fair but then where would all the drama be but i also well i also feel like he has expressed his feelings to dean maybe not as violently or humanly as he does when he's under possession but he has basically said everything to dean and they're both at a stalemate of not being able to understand one another
1: there is a big difference between talking to the person that you have issue to issue with and talking to an unbiased party
0: oh absolutely we could say that the show respected sam's doctor patient privilege privacy yeah yeah true <laughs> This show will let us see many things, but it will not violate doctor-patient confidentiality. (laughs) So that night at the asylum, we see not the boys, but young teenagers, Gavin and Kat, entering the asylum. Kat would much rather go see the movie that she was promised, and Gavin has apparently lied to his date about the whole night, and a movie was never in the cards. This is sign number one that Gavin is an awful boyfriend. Mm -hmm. And potentially just an awfully young person at the moment, and he has a lot to learn in life so that he can be a better human being on this planet. Lesson number one to learn in life, Mr. Gavin, is don't lie to your date about where you're taking them. Mm -hmm. It's not respectful to the person you are dating and could potentially ruin your date altogether.
1: Yeah, like, we're not told how long they've been dating or how well they know each other, but... Ugh. If I were going to go see a movie with somebody and they took me to an abandoned asylum, that'd be a no-go for me. Like, no, just mm-hmm. just take me home. I'm not going in there. <laughs> What's wrong with I, you?
0: I I dressed for a movie. I mentally prepared for a movie. I did not dress, prepare, or plan for any of this. You lied to me. This is not a, oh, sweet, fun surprise. Surprises are fun and sweet when they take place somewhere safe and comfortable and... Good for you. Yeah,
1: take, like, say we're going to the movies and you take me to a surprise picnic in the park. Lovely. Not an abandoned asylum. Why do I keep calling it asylum instead of an asylum?
0: I don't know. It's just easier to truncate them. (laughs) So, to make matters worse, she's gone into the asylum with him. But there's this one particular creepy hallway that she just looks at and says, no, no, thank you. (laughs) I don't need that kind of thrill in my life. I am content here in this spot in what I have seen so far. And so Gavin's like, cool, see you later. And just leaves her. Life lesson number two, Mr. Gavin. What is the point of going on a date if you spend a significant portion of time separate? Mm -hmm. Apart from each other. This isn't a date for her. This isn't a date. Unless you're playing laser tag. Yeah, well, no, but this is... Okay, fair. But this, that's a... (laughs) team building situation. Right. Or learning about the other person's situation. Folks should be bonding. What's the point of going on a date if it's not going to make the person you're with happy or work on building your rapport and relationship? Yeah, like if she wasn't gung-ho for the whole thing, I'd have been like, all right, well,
1: if you're not into it, let's go do something else. Sorry I sprung mm-hmm. this on you.
0: Yep, he is here because he wants to be here. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, The price he pays for leaving his date behind is that he gets stuck in a room with a horny ghost. (laughs) Oh, this horny ghost. She just wants it. She doesn't know yet that he's a horrible date, but she will. Uh, He freaks out when he realizes that it's not actually his girlfriend, but a butterface.
1: Now, I wanted to point out that this scene is right out of The Shining.
0: Really? Oh, yeah. I've never seen it. Surprise, surprise.
1: There's actually three ties to The Shining that I noticed in this episode one was when Dean mentions Like My Man Jack in The Shining. This one where he makes out with a ghost and they say room 137 in this episode but in The Shining it was room 237 where Jack made out with the ghost lady.
0: Ah, And isn't this phrase, and I only know this because of IMDB Thank you IMDB All work and no play makes so and so a very dull boy Yes That's also in The Shining I believe so, yeah Almost makes me wish I'd watched the movie Almost We do get a final life lesson from this scene Life lesson number three, Mr. Gavin Don't call women sweetie Ever, 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 ever I hated that Hey sweetie, couldn't take it, huh? He needs a lot of life lessons, and he's getting them here tonight, even if he doesn't realize it. From 10 years in the future, 13 years in the future, 14 years in the future, math is hard. (laughs) Finally, the boys enter the asylum. Dean has his EMF, and even though it wasn't picking up activity earlier in the daytime, oh boy, this place is popping. And back again from Baby Mary... Sam has brought the camcorder, and the club is orbin orbin. It's going orb, 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 <laughs> orb, orb. Spirits are orb, orb,
1: <laughs> orb orbing. Yeah, orbing like crazy, and I
0: swear. It's orbing like crazy? Oh my god!
1: I swear they
0: don't use this again. No. They, no, they never use this. They use it in Maybe Mary, and they use it here, and I'm pretty sure that's it. The next time we see camcorders is in Ghost Facers.
1: Ooh, and that weird werewolf episode where it wasn't from Sam and Dean's point of view.
0: Oh, right. I liked that episode. That was a good episode. Anyway, so with all these spirits just orbing around like a disco ball, it's no wonder they missed the guy in the wheelchair that you said reminded you of the American Horror Story. Mm-hmm. And I didn't find him so much scary as I did like, hey, guy in the wheelchair, like, you want a robe to keep you warm? <laughs> you want some cherry jello? I don't know, I just felt like, take care of the person in the wheelchair. They they need help. Yeah, he's
1: more of a strawberry jello kind of guy. Uh,
0: not the lime? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. All right. Here, at some point, Dean does say they need to find and salt and burn all the, body, all the bodies. But they never do. I mean, I do get it. At this point, they think... All these spirits are evil, even though they are walking down a hallway of spirits and nothing is happening to them. Mm -hmm. They do think these are all psycho spirits that are killers and need to be salted and burned. But after they realize it's just one psycho ghost, that's the only ghost they care about doing anything with. All the other spirits can go fuck themselves. So, (laughs) they split up for one moment, and that one moment is all it takes for Sam's super yummy psychic aura... To attract a ghosty. And Dean shoots it with the salty shotgun. And meanwhile, Sam kind of illustrates the error that a lot of horror films make in their prolonged approaches during attacks mm-hmm. by ghosts. Because we as viewers, we see Dean stop the ghost just in the nick of time. But apparently what Sam saw was a ghost slowly walking up to say hello. Yeah. She wasn't trying to hurt me or nothing. She was just walking up real slow. Gee, I wonder what that's all about. (laughs) And us and Dean are saying nothing looked weird. That looked like every other ghost approach we've seen in Supernatural thus far. What the fuck are you on, Sam? What What do your psychic eyes tell you?
1: Yeah, it had to have been a feeling he got that she wasn't approaching with malice. Because eh, from any outsider point of view, this fucked up looking lady is coming at him.
0: Yeah, Dee even said it. It looked aggro from my point of view. So this is the second time we have it pointed out that Sam is sensitive to ghosts. Even though that is not one of his powers. Uh-uh. They thought it might be for two episodes. But then they dropped it.
1: They find cats. Weirdly facing away from the room where her back is unprotected. Wasn't that weird? Yeah, but, I don't know, she had her nose stuck in a corner like, I can't see you, you can't see me.
0: That's not how it works.
1: You're an adult now, pretty much. Yeah. With the program. (laughs) She switches quickly from Just Hide from the Ghost to I Must Save My Boyfriend. They split up to find Gavin. Sam finds him passed out because Gavin ran so hard from the horny ghost that he busted his head. I think he just (laughs) faded. That is the impression I got, but he did have a little wound on his forehead, so fine. But I feel like he just faded.
0: I do want to say here, though, he dropped some really hurtful comments about horny ghost here. Yeah. And I really hope she didn't hear him, because let this be life lesson, I don't know what number one, we'll say four. Don't talk shit about people, because you never know who might be listening. Mm -hmm. Don't talk shit about ghosts. Definitely don't talk shit about the dead. You know the dead are always listening. Always. Unless they're in hell, because then they're too busy screaming. Right? Right?
1: They're screaming too loud to hear you.
0: Yes. (laughs) Yeah. She now, I think Corny Ghost now realizes that he was a horrible first kiss for her. And I'm surprised we didn't see her try with Sam or Dean. Or Peck. I'm surprised we didn't see her try with cats. Yeah.
1: They had a similar
0: attire. Attire? Yeah. Similar attire. Uh. Yeah. She's an enlightened ghost. She's like, oh, we dress alike. Same, same. <gasps> Let's make
1: it. <out." laughs> Back with Dean and Kat, a ghost eats the flashlight.
0: What? Yeah, these ghosts hate flashlights. So they gobble so them they up. So they eat it? I don't, I don't know. What? How else do you make the light disappear?
1: Back with Dean and Kat, a ghost eats the flashlight so that it's extra spooky when they grab her arm and drag her into a room. So creepy. So creepy. Oh, you're hurting my arm. But I'm not touching your arm. Uh. Yeah,
0: that's the whole dogs Uh. can lick hands too.
1: Uh. (laughs) I can't stand it. Um, The door locks and won't be busted down by Dean. The ghost approaches Kat as Sam and Gavin run up. Sam goes out on a very weak limb by telling Kat that the ghost won't (laughs) hurt her and just to give in to the experience. Um, Let, it go. Let it go. I love that Dean was like, I hope this works. And Sam was like, Me too. And, <laughs> and Gavin's look
0: of, oh great. Oh, I have landed myself with a pair of experts. Yeah, yeah.
1: And, uh, they all get silent for an answer, and for like half a second, Sam doubts himself. Kat comes out to tell them that the magic number is 137. Dean goes to investigate, and Sam escorts the Deans to safety. Dean's flashlight is working again. I just thought it was funny. I know that Dean was crouching down to get something out of his bag, like the flashlight, I guess. The,
0: no, the lighter, because they established that Dean does have a lighter for later on in the episode.
1: Okay, so he crouches down and gets something out of his bag, possibly a lighter. And uh Sam crouches down too, so they have like this quick moment of serious talk, but... <laughs> I just thought
0: it was funny. Oh, okay, yes. The, oh, it must be this. You think it's this? Only one way to find out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Secret combo away from the teens. Uh, there was one part in this sequence that I really didn't like. Mm-hmm. When the show writers took time out of this episode to give Dean the chance to berate Kat about horror films mm-hmm. and how you should pay attention to them. And... I know Dean doesn't know whose idea it was to come to this asylum, but the show writers do. So why do they put Kat, who is here against her will, who was told she was going to go see a movie tonight, why is she the one getting yelled at for being in a dangerous situation?
1: Yeah.
0: At no point does
1: Gavin get that same converse. Exactly.
0: It's a a, a continuation of women are held to a higher standard and more responsibilities placed on women. That should be equally dispersed amongst everybody, but here in this situation, she deserves none of it. And I was just really mad at the writers yeah. for making this choice in this instance. Because, like I said, I respect the fact that Dean doesn't know, but why even have this moment in here? It's it's played for laughs, but it it just it's no longer funny to me. No longer funny.
1: I just I love Cat because like she was scared. And you, like, saw her calm herself down and prepare herself for whatever was going to happen, going on the trust of some guy.
0: Yeah, I don't like that. (laughs) Oh, there's big men here. Okay, I will stop being scared now. And now I care about my boyfriend, and I'm going to go save him. But two scenes from now, I'm going to break up with him. Even though I should have broken up with him the second we parked outside of this asylum. Shut up. Oh, just wait. Just wait. Just you white, silly Hannah, just you white. So, Sam's alone with these teens, and Kat is quizzing him. So, what's your life? What's your job? Who's the boss? The senior your
1: boss, and I was just like, ugh, that made me mad on Sam's behalf.
0: <laughs> to be fair, he kind of is the decision maker and the leader in all of this. Yeah. Yeah.
1: The, the, their dynamic changes, though.
0: Yeah, I think it gets a little more equal, but I feel like Dean is still the final say in a lot of things. Well, I feel like there's a difference between an older brother and a boss. No, absolutely. Although, who earns the money, Hannah? (sighs) Dean. And does Sam or does not Sam get an allowance? He does. (laughs) So, in a sense, (laughs) he is both brother and boss? Fine. So they're trying to find a way out, but they quickly realize that it was Dr. Ghosty and not the nice Ghosties that have locked all the doors. Total lockdown. Total lockdown. Gavin lists a bunch of suggestions in a panic, and a calm Sam and a calm cat just quickly shut him down. So what the hell are we going to do? If we starters, we're not going to panic. Why the hell not? Sam goes off to confirm that, nope, Dr. Ghosty didn't miss a single door. And he's about to make a plan with Kat and, I guess, useless Gavin when he gets a call from Dean on his cell phone. So he gives the shotgun to Kat because she's the only one here who can handle a shotgun. Hell yeah. So that Sam can go run and help Dean. Don't know why you can't take the kids with you, but all right. Also, can ghosts really hijack phones like that? Like it happened, and I felt like it's something I've seen happen so many times now that the answer is just yes. Is it because Dr. Ghosty uses electricity? I'm gonna and... have
1: to go with it's because he can use electricity because he was before cell phones. Yeah.
0: But how can he emulate Dean's voice so perfectly? I don't know. It's supernatural. I don't know. It's just weird. It's supernatural, man. Meanwhile, Dean finds the room 137 that belonged to Dr. Ellicott. He found a secret thing. Yes, he finds a hidden wall panel with the journals. and He feels very proud of himself. I'm proud of him, too. This is why he gets all the cookies. (laughs) He learns that Dr. E got up to some really sick shit in the name of medicine. And meanwhile, Sam starts heading to that same place that we saw Officer Kelly go and just like officer kelly's flashlight died sam's flashlight gets eaten up no 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 no
1: oh he starts fiddling with it and i'm like dude you should know better by now that
0: batteries are not the issue here <laughs> he's just like his mom what's wrong with this light fixture here <laughs> huh. He does spend approximately five years trying to fix it. Most of the time spent just staring straight down the barrel of the light so that the light did come back on. And I really wanted the light to come back on just so he could blind himself. (laughs) He's fiddling with it when a door opens up behind him. And he goes inside that room wherein he is attacked upon. By Dr. Ghosty, who electroshocks his skull. Back with the teens, Kat kind of pre breaks up with Gavin. (laughs) As well she should. Oh, yeah. Life lesson number five Mr. Gavin. If someone wants to break up with you after you, in a panic, have stated that panicking is a perfectly viable plan, why the hell not? Maybe accept their breakup. Yeah. Like, it looked like he was about to go into the, oh, come on, baby, you know we're good together kind of talk. Ugh. Yeah. No. Just just accept it. She is seriously not that into you. Mm-hmm. Dean shows up with the teens, and apparently he has spidey senses because he pulls back and away from the shotgun blast that Kat has aimed at him. She's not a bad shot, though. Ah, uh, I I don't know. I, I'm not sure because he almost got rock salt to the face. Yeah. <laughs> he looks at if you. He looks at where the rock shot the rock. Salt landed and it landed head height in the wall mm-hmm.
1: if he had come around the corner she would have nailed him in the face <laughs> not good
0: but you know what very small target <laughs> well i mean not good for him but
1: if it had been a ghost or some other attacker that would have been a good shot
0: yeah she's not bad not great but not bad yeah Well, as much as he's not thrilled at getting shot at, he's super not thrilled that Sam is gone, especially since he went to the basement.
1: We learn why when they find each other, Sam acting strange. So Dr. Ellicott was performing mad experiments to get patients to let their anger out. They only got angrier to the point of homicide, especially at him, because he fucked with their brains and hurt them. Duh. And it seems even death doesn't stop a delusional workaholic who is sure that the next patient will be the one that proves their theory correct, because the doc kept his work secret, because nobody was doing lobotomies and shit anymore in the 60s, so Dean figures that where the real nasty shit went down, and probably where the ghosties would hide him.
0: Yeah, so I actually, during the course of watching this, was thinking, because I kept feeling like this took place, like, in the 20s. Because that was the hero age of medicine. The, we're gonna try whatever we can to save this person. We will cut into their brain. We will feed them cyanide. Whatever it takes. We'll put leeches on their feet. We invented heroin, and we are bleeding you at the same time. Anything. (laughs) But no, this was happening in the 60s, they said. (laughs) And I was like, shit, they were still doing lobotomies in the 60s? So I googled, no. All of this Crazy shit that he's doing here started dying down in the early 50s, according to my brief Google search. And then you hear Dean mentioned several times and you notice that he hid his journals in secret wall panels and you had to find the hidden rooms where he did his surgeries. They are making a very, 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 very subtle point (laughs) to the fact that he was not supposed to be doing this shit to the patients. It was all very illegal and all very much proven to not work.
1: So... (laughs) So Sam's dragging his feet, saying, you know, I already searched in here, nothing in here. But Dean finds a secret draft to a secret room.
0: And then... Like, two seconds after Sam says this. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I can't find anything. Oh, here it is. But before he can open it, Sam's nosebleed protests at Dean's orders. Yeah, and the shotgun is protesting, too. And he shoots (laughs) Dean with the rock salt. (laughs) <laughs> Sam anger gushes for a minute and Dean makes the jump from where's dad to you must want to kill me so here's a gun. I remember first watching this and I was like wait no it can't what huh don't because I was thinking like Dean was gonna figure a way out of that talk him down but no he just gave him
0: an unloaded gun. <laughs> uh, so my headcanon for this is one his brother has just shot him with rock salt. And he's angrily just ranting at him. So, And he knows that the symptoms are you're so angry that you end up killing somebody. So he does make that jump of, all right, he's ranting to me about dad. He's going to end up wanting to kill me. Why don't I give him an unloaded gun so that I can get the jump on him?
1: Right, right. Sam does pull the trigger, but when nothing happens, Dean uses the confusion to knock Sam down and out. Like, oh. Oh, he lays him out, dude.
0: Mm -hmm. Man, that was... Oh, we also get a time frame here. Sam specifically says these last six months. So, if the first episode happened in January? Halloween. You're right, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Duh. The first episode happened around Halloween. So, oh shit, let's do some math. May. It's May now? Yeah. October, November, December, January, February. March. Nope, it's March. Maybe April. April. Because Halloween is the end of. Alright, it's April now.
1: November, December, January, February.
0: April. April. Okay. Alright, so it's April. Math now. is hard. Math is hard. Alright, raise your glass for a six, six month death anniversary to Jess. I'm raising my glass. May she rest in peace. It's just
1: tea, but. Alright. Just as easily as Dean found the secret panel and the secret room. He found the secret body. Luckily, Dr. Ghosty gives him time to salt it and douse it with lighter fluid before giving Dean the special treatment. Also luckily, Dr. E doesn't knock him away from the body, just down. So Dean is still able to one-handedly grab the light and throw his lighter. And we see this Ghosty turn into charcoal chunks. Sam conveniently wakes up once it's all over. Dean is hurt about his bro being angry enough to shoot at him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I love that you had charcoal chunks, and I put solid ghost ash. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what do you call solid ash? Oh. <laughs> well, that was one of my two questions for this scene. Because Mary went up in flames. Mm-hmm. So of, of the ghosts that we have seen get... Solved.
1: <laughs> well, one melted into the floor.
0: Right. With her with her children into water. Disappeared in water? Yes, we've seen two disappear in water. So maybe ghosts can be dissolved into water. Ghosts are water <laughs> soluble.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Mary went up in flames, but nobody actually tried to salt and burn Mary. And the flames were more of a tie-in to the fact that she died in flames. Mm-hmm. So I don't really count her. I can't remember how Hook, how they made Hook disappear. I don't
1: know. Oh, they, they, they burned the necklace.
0: No, right, but what happened to the form of Hook? He did not turn into charcoal chunks. So,
1: this one kind of struck me as odd too because they have his physical body. I wondered if it would still reek because Dean is obviously reacting to the smell, but let's see, that was in the oh. 60s. Yeah, the
0: the corpse was pretty desiccated, you know, pretty dry. I I figured it was more of a... It's been like
1: 40 years. 40-something years.
0: Math is hard. Math is hard. I thought it was more of like a a reaction to, uh, dying that way and it looking gross. If we were to take the proficiency with which he dug up the grave of the hook man, Mm -hmm. you would think he's probably seen a dead body a time or two. Yeah. Maybe he's never seen one this recent. Maybe. Maybe you're right that was a weird reaction
1: i was just wondering i know that dead bodies smell not from personal experience but that's just a thing they're like putrid and rotting but at some point the rotting stops yeah and you're just left with the remains i don't know but yeah his ghostly form having remains was odd to me because now it's like you have two ghost bodies
0: yeah it's they haven't really firmed up their ghost lore. Or their demon lore. Yet, either. The, the lore is still shaky, folks. They, they just don't know. I did think it was fun, though, that apparently his patients tortured him the same way he tortured them. Mm-hmm. Because I could count three separate ghosts who had incisions or swelling around their left eye. And then you see Dr. Ghosty also has swollen left eye. Nice. From it being fucked with. I was like, yeah, get him. Get him, ghosts. Get him. All right, well, all that aside, it's now daylight. Somehow. Time is hard. (laughs) The teens drive off. Sam apologizes and says, I didn't mean any of it. Even though, like I said, he essentially said the same shit he was saying earlier, only angrier. Yeah. So Dean's like, yeah, sure you didn't mean any of it. Whatever. He's too tired to fuck with it because... He, unlike some people, was up all night trying to solve a case, damn it. Yeah. Sam did nothing this episode. He got possessed. Alright, the demon, the plane, that was all Sam. This episode, it was all (laughs) Dean. I mean, he found the secret thing and the secret draft and the
1: secret room and the secret body.
0: He found all the secrets. (laughs) All Sam did was overact and talk to people. Yeah. Yeah. And get some therapy. He did get some therapy. (laughs) So they're back in the motel, and Dean is passed the fuck out. Because our baby boy is so sleepy. So sleepy. So Sam's the one who answers the phone. And who's on the phone? Dad? 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 And it's our first cliffhanger. Yay! Things are actually
1: happening. The story's actually moving. I want to point out. One thing before we move on to the next segment. One, who called the cops on the first kids? And two, how come cops weren't called on the second kids? Because I would think, you know, they saw the yellow sports car sitting out front, and that's why the cops were called.
0: But nobody
1: saw the second set of kids
0: in their car. All right, so let's canon this. Daniel what Gunderson. Gunderson? Daniel Gunderson and Walter Kelly, the asylum was on their route, right? So they drive by and they see cars parked. Ah, the kids are at it again. Let's pull over and get those pesky kids out.
1: Okay. Gunderson is taking time off because his partner's dead.
0: Right. So they just had a cop death and they're recovering. And so maybe there are a few cops short at the moment and it's harder to cover that large of an area. And it's not a priority considering that it just got even more spooky and more dangerous. You're right. It's an oversight from a health and safety point of view. Someone should have been sent back out to re-chain up the asylum. When Gunderson and Walter Kelly made their report that night of what they got up to, part of that should have been send somebody out to put a new chain on the asylum. And it probably just got lost in the bureaucracy, and that's how they were able to break in again. Thank you for cleaning that up for me. That does raise a good question. The first time we see Sam and Dean break into the asylum, they're jumping over a fence and nearly dying via backbreaking. But the second time, they just walk into the door. Yeah. Did you have to climb a fence every time to get in? <laughs> Did they just skip the fence? Did the cops have to climb a fence to get in? <laughs>
1: no, they just wanted that little peak of Jensen's tummy. That's all they wanted. That soft
0: belly. Let's
1: talk themes, Hannah. I have a theme. I have two. Two
0: themes? Oh, my God. Nice ghosts. Yes. I actually got this episode confused for half a second with another episode where the main ghost you think is the bad ghost is actually the nice ghost. Mm -hmm. I know for a fact the the first Winchester convention is that theme.
1: And also the one where all the reapers have gone missing.
0: Well, not all the reapers, but
1: the one for that town is missing.
0: Right. I vaguely remember that one. Yeah. So nice ghost is a theme. And hey. Bobby was a very nice ghost. Yes, he was. He was a hardworking ghost. He tried so hard. What's your second theme? Dane making references. That's a that's an every episode thing. It's exhausting how much that boy makes references. <clears throat> I can't keep track of all the shit he makes reference yeah, to me either. It's impossible. My themes. All right, so the quick ones that we kind of have every time we have motels, we have breaking into places, we have ghosts, we have psychic Sam. That's kind of new. We have our journal. uh, We have Smart Dean finding all the secret things. You know, Dean almost has that journal memorized by now. I'm sure he does. Also, I kind of want to know, if John writes like Yoda, can we please get a clip of the journal that sounds like Yoda? I have his journal. Okay, well, maybe one day you can read out sections. Maybe you can be in charge of the name that monster section. (laughs)
1: And this is what John says about this monster. It's very incorrect.
0: (laughs) That man knew nothing. The two big themes that I noticed for this episode, though, were the boys getting possessed. Mm Mm-hmm. Because that happens a time or two. It does. And a theme that has happened many times now is all the time fuckery. (laughs) First with the planes that I had to fight to make, make sense. Then with the bugs, which there is literally no physical, temporal explanation for what happened in bugs. No. And now, an episode that seemed to take place in maybe three or four hours took place in a whole night. I don't know. (laughs) They just can't figure out time in this show. Time is hard. Time is hard. Time is an aspect of math. I remember one summer... I came back to school. I think maybe I was coming back to the second, first or second grade. And one of the first back to school lessons, okay, kids, let's have a refresher. Here's a worksheet with a bunch of clocks on it. Please tell the time. And I had completely forgotten how to tell time. Time
1: was a very difficult one for me to learn, and I'm still not very good with it. You know how some people can be like, yeah, it's been about 20 minutes. And I'm like, I have no idea
0: how long it's been. I cannot tell time. I cannot feel the passing of time, like, at all. I can sometimes feel the passing of time with pretty good accuracy. My problem, though, is the clocks with the hands... And all the numbers, and some numbers are five, and some numbers are one, and sometimes it's 60. (laughs) Like you take 10 minutes to read the face of a clock, and by then... By then, like, it's a whole new time, and I start all over again. (laughs) Time is math, and math is hard. I hate it all. That might be our shortest theme section. (laughs) So, speaking of hating time, let's go into... What did you love? What did you hate?
1: I hated Sam's overacting in the bar. Yeah. And I hated Gavin.
0: (sighs) I can see how, if I were to meet Gavin in real life, I would dislike his character. Yeah. As a written character, though, he was consistent. And I liked that. Yeah, I'll give him that. I did not like the treatment of Kat's character, she was not consistent. I can't understand what they were trying to do with Kat. Like the way they make her say her line, she thinks that dates should only be movies and how that's a bad thing. Like they make it look like she's a bad version of a girl for liking to go to movies for dates as a teenager. Of course, a teenage girl, a teenage anything, is going to want to go to movies for dates. It's what teens do, it's that in the mall. <laughs> so that's like too girly. So they've got to make her and come around and out masculine Gavin by. Yeah, I go skeet shooting with my dad. You know, I'm just one of the boys. She gets railed on for horror movies. Even though we don't have any indication that she likes horror movies, she certainly doesn't like going into haunted places. Right. And it wasn't her choice to be there. So they put her into a non-consensual situation and then have her be yelled at. They have her go hide in a corner, but then turn around and suddenly, No, I have to go find my boyfriend. I have to rescue him. Like, okay, is she afraid? Is she not afraid? Is she someone who faces her fears? Or is she someone who runs and hides behind a mattress? She wants to go find and rescue someone she calls over and over again her boyfriend. But then two scenes later, she wants to break up with him. But then at the end of the episode, they're all cuddly. We're putting her
1: in this situation. I, I can get that you wanting to protect him but not wanting to date him anymore because this stupid
0: idiot put me in this freaking position. Before Sam and Dean came... Maybe she was just hiding for a second and they didn't show us, they didn't let us see her just then hiding for a second and maybe the ghost disappeared when they showed up. Like, all we are given is, oh, she's been hiding, but now she is standing up saying, no, I must find my boyfriend. But he's not my boyfriend anymore.
1: (laughs) I can agree that they didn't do well by her character, but there were things that I liked about her character.
0: You like that she shoots a gun and you like that she doesn't panic. Except for that one time she panicked and hid behind a mattress.
1: Well, I like that despite her fear, she took charge of the situation. Like, not took charge, because Sam and Dean were in charge. But she was able to calm herself and look at things rationally, not panic like Gavin was still panicking. Fair. And, And yeah, I like that she's a strong character in that, you know, she's like, hey, I'll take the gun. I know a
0: little bit about guns. I Again, I don't like that correlation between guns and violence are what make a person stronger. And they gave her this gun and then nothing happened with it. Yes, she almost shoots Dean, but you don't ever see her defeating any ghosts. She doesn't help the main characters in any way. These two characters serve no purpose in the story except to be a temporary vehicle for Dean and Sam to learn more about the ghosts. They have no agency. In any of this. So, no. I didn't like... I didn't like how they handled her character. I can agree. I think she's a fake, strong person. <sighs> Alright, enough of all this negativity. Let's whew, blow it away. Blow all that negativity negativity away. What did we love about this episode? I
1: loved the counselor. Hmm. Be- he was believable to me as a counselor. As, as someone who has been to many counselors, I liked him. I liked that he saw through Sam and called him out straight away. You're avoiding the topic here. I mean, that's not always the approach I like in my counseling, but there was a point in my life where that is exactly the kind of counseling I needed. So mm-hmm. I liked him a lot.
0: I haven't been to as... As many. <laughs> as many counselors I only did counseling for a few years. Well, because I, I only I only needed it like seriously for a few years there. And I definitely understand what you mean when you say, like, he also reminds me of real counselors. And I love that he just rolls with whatever Sam throws at him. Mm-hmm. If you know, he doesn't bat an eye like okay you want to talk about asylums cool we can talk about asylums but i realize that it's a front for you so give me something beneath the surface to work with and then we can talk about the asylum and maybe we can use the asylum as kind of like a metaphor to talk about what is happening in your real life yeah he was good i liked him too good call good love Hannah.
1: <laughs> and you know i love sam or not i love sam yes of course um i uh-huh. loved dean's references throughout the movie uh, throughout the show rather because he's just being goofy
0: and like all he can come up with is is jack nicholson (laughs) so my love for this episode was the emotional and intellectually complex portrayal of dean Mm -hmm. like i felt the balance and the acting of the emotions was really done well here. And maybe it's not the show. It's just a matter of how I am receptive to it. Because obviously there have been episodes where I just throw my hands in the air. It's like, all these emotions are bullshit. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not buying any of it. <laughs> here today, in this moment, I, I bought into it. I felt it. I, I enjoyed the choking as a way for Dean to show his discomfort. And trying to make this uncomfortable situation comfortable. And the awkwardness when he sees that Sam's not meeting him on this level. Mm -hmm. I felt that push and pull in him. The, I feel how I feel and I shouldn't have to explain how I feel. The, I see things this way, why can't you see things my way? You know, why can't you just understand our father the way I understand him? You know, Or why can't you understand me and my relationship to dad and how it is obviously different from yours? Um, and trust that even if my relationship with him is different that doesn't make it any less real or doesn't invalidate my trust and my reasons for trust you know if you can't trust in dad why can't you trust in me yeah but he's not able he's not emotionally intelligent enough to articulate all that so he results to the jokes and defending dad and instead of defending himself sweet baby boys oh the baby boy but I, I felt like it was I felt like it was handled really well here that's what I love. When you're surrounded by darkness. Open your eyes, Hannah. Next time. Next time. We're getting real. So real. Season one, episode eleven. Scarecrow. After arguing about the search for their father, Sam and Dean split ways. Sam to continue the search in California. Dean to hunt the mysterious disappearances of passing through couples in Indiana. This was from IMDB, but no user was listed, so I don't have anybody to thank this week. oh no. yeah. No. Like, if you were to ask me, Kindle, what's the episode where the overall plot started? I would say, oh, it's the episode where Meg shows up. Oh, yeah. Ah, oh, I love her. Can't wait. I'm so excited. I have never liked Meg, but I have never really analyzed my reasons for not liking Meg, so I'm interested in going through and watching this show really critically for the first time and analyzing in myself am I disliking Meg for real character reasons or for the use of her character within the series or am I disliking her for misogynistic reasons? Well my, my feelings on Meg are that
1: yeah she's evil at the start, but I love her character growth and the way she changes. I do think they kind of fishtailed with her at the end, but overall, I'm proud of her.
0: What you just said rang true with me, only that I disagree with it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand how or why her character changed. Like, supposedly. Castiel was just this magical pill that made her change her ways and again I, I don't understand that and I don't like that if that is really why she changed again haven't watched it yet since I first watched it so I haven't really watched it critically but my memory of it is that she met Castiel and suddenly this magical man just made her change all her ways and that's phony and I don't like that well
1: it's not that he really did much at all it's the fact that he treated her good he was kind to her regardless of everything. Okay. And like someone right. showing you kindness when everyone thinks you're a monster and you think you're a monster and then suddenly but she is a monster. Yeah, she is a monster. <laughs> but suddenly someone treats you like you're not a monster, that changes you.
0: Okay. All right. You have opened my eyes a little bit. I mean I am regardless of my feelings for Meg, I am very excited to go through and watch the Meg episodes. The Megasodes. The Megasodes. The Megasodes. Just because I do want to be critical of not just her character, but also critical of myself in watching those episodes. Also, this is an old gods case. (laughs) I love old gods. (laughs) Me too. Oh, we need sacrifices. (laughs) We've been here for eons and people don't believe in us anymore. So we just take our sacrifices. Take them where we can get them. Not the same as the old days, but it'll do. Cause there's there's these guys, there's the Santa Claus guys, there's do we come across the the witch with the candy house? Who eats the kids? Yeah. Can't remember. We do? Yeah. yeah. And then there's the hotel with, with Krishna in it. Or Lots not Krishna. With Ganeshka and all the other gods, but you see Ganeshka as an elephant and it's hilarious. And then there's a guilt episode with the Egyptian god. Yes, the court case one where we learn Sam is not a good lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, You can find
1: me on Tumblr, Jailbreak Fiend, that's J-A-I-L-B-R-E-A-K-F-I-E-N-D,
0: or Everything Overlord, which is by Misha Block. You can find me on Tumblr at Kindle Abroad, or somewhat, you can find me, I'm trying out Instagram, and I'm on Instagram as Kindle, Kindle, Kindle. Oh, I
1: keep forgetting. I also have an Instagram that's, oh, it's Jailbreak Fiend.
0: And that's K-I-N-D-L-E. In case you forgot how to spell my name. And you can reach us both at sisterstalkbrothers at gmail.com. That's going to do it for us, Hannah.
1: Yeah, so tune in next week for
0: more monsters. More brothers. And more sisters. Yay. Bye, world. bye, bye.
1: The, the medium of
0: actually writing. But then I, I have the sound of the medium paper in our recordings, though. <laughs> Not gonna lie.
1: <laughs> well, it, it's authentic. It's very authentic. I saw a dark, shadowy figure standing right behind her.
0: Something was orbing like crazy in your camera. <sighs> oh, Shut up. Guess.
1: Shut up. That was lame. Oh, I forgot what we were going to talk about.
0: Ghost experiences.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay,
0: okay. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome. I
1: got, I, got, I, got, I got a few. I got a few for you.
0: Okay, <laughs> okay. Let me get through the freaking intro and we can do it. Okay,
1: okay.
0: <laughs> I hate your notes sometimes. Well, you need to read them beforehand so you can put them into your words. Because <laughs> these are notes. They're not meant to be like an essay. Well, they're. They're a guideline, an outline that you can flesh in with your own words and mouth movements.
1: (laughs) (sighs) Oh, that felt better. You're cutting that.